Ah, uh, yes, it's that time again. Just when you think you have it all figured out, something comes along that makes you question everything. This is Unexplained Incorporated, and we are open for business. It's that time again, time for your Friday Night Fright. This is Unexplained Incorporated, and I'm your host, Phantom Phil. So happy to be with you yet again this Friday evening and tonight. Got a bit of a longer one for you, the true believers. Lindsay Sharman, the host of the Roadways podcast, makes her return to Unexplained Incorporated. She came on uh, near the end of July and uh, told some pretty crazy stories. And to kick off this episode, she's got a couple of other crazy stories we didn't have time to on the first uh, appearance of her. And we're going to dive deep into a theme I teased last week, and that is the relationship between the occult, dark magic, and our world governments. And I treat this episode as kind of a beginner's building block for this subject matter for those of you who haven't looked into it this is kind of like a first timer type of thing but uh, for those of you who dive deep into this type of thing you'll know all about it and you may learn some new things now one thing I pride myself on with this podcast so far is that um, I really try hard to keep it clean Try not to curse too much. And uh, all the guests I've had have done a really good job with this. They've been super respectful without me even asking them. But some of the subject matter on this episode gets a little heavy. And both Lindsay and I get a little fired up about some of it. So a couple of them drop. I'm just going to warn you right now. But I'm sure you're all mature enough to handle it. And even if there's ones who aren't, you can get them through it. Or maybe they could skip this episode for you because it gets pretty crazy and pretty heavy, but uh, I really enjoyed how it turned out. And if you stay tuned after the interview, I have a couple of cool announcements to pass on to you because we are getting ever so close to Halloween. Once again, I don't know where this month went. It's been busy. It's been awesome. Had a lot of great guests on the program in the November lineup is almost finalized so stay tuned to either the unexplained incorporated facebook page phantom phil on twitter i just started uh 
posting in Reddit forums for Unexplained Incorporated. Look for us there. And also, don't forget about the phantomhub.com. All the podcasts, episodes of Unexplained Incorporated are there along with the blogs, affiliate links, and motivational metal, of course. But right now, I'd like to take a quick word and give a shout out to one of the partners of Unexplained Incorporated, Soundstripe. Soundstripe is an online subscription-based company that provides the best royalty-free music for filmmakers and content creators on the web. I have a lot of content creators on this show. Maybe their podcast can uh, be enhanced with some of the music tracks from Soundstripe. Every single music bed you hear on Unexplained Incorporated is from Soundstripe, like I proudly say. If you sign up through my link that's posted on the Twitter page or through the phantomhub.com under the affiliate link section, and you sign up with the promo code FRIGHT, F-R-I-G-H-T, you'll receive 10% off your initial subscription. This track coming up, it's composed by Kevin Graham. He's a great musician who posts on Soundstripe. And it accompanies the voice of the one and the only Angel Card Amy to kick this extended edition of Unexplained Incorporated off. Right now, here is Angel Card Amy. Lindsay Sharman is making her return. She is the host of the Rogue Ways podcast, and during her last visit, talked to Phantom Phil about a dark attachment that terrorized her for years. They wanted to talk about Lindsay's UFO encounters, but didn't have time, so they will start off the discussion with that tonight. In the shadow of the U.S. election, they will continue the theme of last week's show, discussing how much influence the occult really has on government throughout the world. They explore Bohemian Grove and the bloodlines of the so-called elite families. Who's really pulling the strings in the physical world? We shall explore right now. It's been a little while, but right now, I would like to welcome... Lindsay Sharman from the Rogue Ways podcast back to Unexplained Incorporated for the second time around. How did uh, how did the rest of your summer go, Lindsay? And what are you up to these days other than uh, producing the podcast and maintaining your site? <laughs> Hi, Phil. Nice to be back. And uh, the summer was okay. I'm really not a fan of super hot weather. And where I live mm. now, it's very hot all the time in the summer. So I am so happy that it's fall now. And uh, I don't have to work in the garden anymore. And, mm. <laughs> you know, I can just go out, hang out with the chickens. The yard is going to pretty much take care of itself for a while. And uh, and that's been good. I don't know if I had dropped my most recent book the last time I was on. So that might have been something I finished up. I'm real bad with timelines, so I don't, I'm okay. not sure. Um, but I did uh, finish my sequel to Sign Curve of Aeons, which is Earth, A Trough in Time. And I released that. That's available on Amazon now for anyone who wants to purchase it. I also, I don't know when people will hear this, but I also sell copies myself. It's cheaper. You can get it on Amazon. And it comes with an inscription, of course, to you from me. Uh, and I usually throw in a Rogueway sticker as well. So if anyone's interested in grabbing that, then that is available. And I still have 
have copies of Sign Curve as well, if people haven't read that yet. And you actually can read them in any order. This was a great question that reminded me that people wouldn't know that unless I told them. But Earth, Trough, and mm. Time can be read first. Uh, or Sign Curve Vans, they're both awesome, fun, fictional uh, traverses into the world of um, basically like where spiritual meets technological meets the fantastical. And there's like time weirdness in there. And it's just kind of everything that people who like either of our shows would be really into and uh, super fun. So so those are available. I finished that. And and yeah, things have just been moving right along. Same here. That's that's really good stuff. Um so in terms of timeline, uh, people are going to be hearing this um, close to the end of October, right around like the 23rd. And we're about, uh, at least in your neck of the woods, two weeks away from this wild, fantastical presidential <laughs> yeah. election. Oh my um, God. We're going to get to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're <laughs> going to get to that in a little bit. But the main topic of this show is the relation of possibly dark magic and the occult and how it's influenced and in some ways controlled power structures and government throughout the centuries. And what we're going to dive into in a little bit, uh, Lindsay, is that a lot of people brush this off as, you know, crazy unproven conspiracy theory, and they don't think there's much merit to it. But I think what you and I are going to bring to the table is that there's a lot more substance to this than most people realize and whatever the mainstream media is telling you. But before we get to that, you came on in July, which was awesome. And you told a lot of incredible stories from your own experiences. However, we were up against the clock and that was all on my end, you know, all on me. And, um, you were telling me before that interview that you had some UFO sightings stories to tell and we didn't have time to do them. So before <laughs> we get into the main topic tonight, I was wondering if you could share those just to tie up that loose end. Sure. I would love to. There's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> I, oh, uh, cool. yeah, I'm a, I was a, I was and am a constant experiencer, uh, for years and years. And, um, for me, at least, if I were to go outside and any given, for whatever reason, night is easier than day, although I have daytime experiences as well, but I could um, probably have an experience on any given night. I think that they these things are um, psychic and that they are responsive to your uh, thoughts and feelings. And, you know, uh, so so I think that's part of why uh, some people have consistent experiences. I think it's because they're those whatever these things are know when you're i guess available might be a word mm. <laughs> you know yeah. um yeah, yeah uh so one of the more uh one of the stories i've told a few times on air because it's it's more exciting uh mm -hmm. <laughs> is because a lot of times they literally will just kind of come and be there and flash and then go away and that's you it. know yeah that's it yeah. so um but one of the more uh crazier experiences and um and anybody who listens to the experience and then reads Earth, a trough in time will realize that a lot of the things in Earth, a trough in time are actually from my own experience. <laughs> so it's a fictional novel, but it's actually based on my experiences in real life. And anyways, I um, this is in Washington State, where most of my experiences actually have been, because that's where I lived and grew up for mm -hmm. a long, many, many years. I was there and I, we have a lot of ferries there. I don't know how many people are familiar with ferry boats, but they, you know, take you across a channel of water from one landmass to another landmass. You're in your car usually. Um, it was very late at night at this this time. It was probably about 2 a.m. or so, one of the last ferry rides of the evening. And um, or was it the first one in the morning? <laughs> Could have been maybe 4 a.m. and then the first one. I'm not sure. I was coming right. back from 
from a long night and uh, was in the car with a couple other people there. I think there was four or five other people in the car. Um, I was about 20 something maybe. And uh, uh, so it was pitch black outside and on the ferry boat we were on, we were in the car and we were right next to the outer wall where there's sort of windows and the windows don't have glass or plastic. It's just open, you know, metal through, through the boat, through the boat, you can see the water and, and whatever. And so that's where we were. And I'm in the back seat on the passenger side. I'm so on my window is right next to that window. Uh, and uh, uh, right before this, I had looked up into the sky and I'd seen a really, really bright light. And I thought it was a star or a planet, but I was also like, that is the brightest star slash planet, whatever that is, that I've ever seen in my life. And right when I thought that, it disappeared. And right next to me appeared three lights. So it was instantaneous uh, as soon as I thought it and it disappeared and appeared next to me. It was like, and I, you know, so I was like, what? what is this? But, you know, in your mm. head, you're always trying to rationalize anything that happens to you, no matter what it is. So it, especially when the experiences are paranormal or supernormal or extraterrestrial or whatever you want to classify this as you're, especially then you're just telling yourself like, this is something normal. This is something understandable. Like there's no, you know, there's, that's just what your brain does. So I'm thinking, wow, that boat came up really quick. <laughs> like all of a sudden there's a boat right here. And then I was like, there's not supposed to be a boat next to the ferry boat. Boats know that you don't go near the ferry boat. The ferry boat yeah, actually has to stop, yeah. you know, if, if a boat comes near it uh, or if a whale comes near it. And so, uh, <laughs> but the ferry boat was just starting to move as this is happening. So these lights are moving exactly with us. Like they're not even bobbing or like anything on the ocean or water should be. They're just holding completely steady. So then I started to realize like, this is not normal. And I asked everyone in the car, I'm like, do you guys see this? And what is it? And everyone is just staring at it and no one's really responding. And I think, I mean, maybe once we were all looking, I'm not sure. But but anyways, they started to move. So there's three lights. They're moving, but they move in like conjunction with each other. You know, they're in perfect lockstep mm -hmm. with each other. Yeah. And I'm like, that's also very, very strange. And I'm staring. I'm like, what is this? And they start moving and they're moving faster and faster. And I'm like what is this? <laughs> and you can't go anywhere. You're on this boat, you know, and we could have gotten out of the car, I guess, but I think we were all way too stunned to do, to move or think or talk. Um, and moving and they started changing colors and they started making shapes and they started going faster and faster. And I don't know how long this went on for. So I, I really can't tell you because it was so strange that my mind can't really wrap around it even to this day. Mm. Um, and they're moving in uh, these shapes and they get more and more geometrically advanced to the point where they become like a blur and they're changing colors and blurring. And then they just stop and they're back to where they how they were at the beginning, where they're just three lights that are uh, maybe white or golden, you know, like a normal color. In the meantime, they had been maybe every color you could even imagine. Uh, again, I can't really remember every detail because it was so mind blowing. And then so yeah. they stopped after that and they all were just in this perfect line again. That's that's not bobbing on the water you know, they're just perfectly still and then they zoom off and they zoom towards the front of the boat which i don't remember boat terminology so it's like before yeah. the after whatever they zoom off that way and i was like what the hell is going on and i'm like are we insane am i insane did anybody else see that like is this even really happening is this a dream you know you go through all the rationalizations and other people in the car were like whoa so i'm like okay at least they saw it too 
And then I got out of the car because then by then I was like out of my stun state. I was like, what's happening? Should I run? Should we get someone like, you know, what should I do? Um, I got out of the car. They uh, have zoomed to the front of the boat and uh, I'm starting to move towards the front of the boat. And then the boat stops. And I'm like, okay. So the ferry boat sees this light too. It's not just us. (laughs) We're not crazy. These lights have uh, moved up to the front of the boat and just like a ferry boat should, and when it sees what it thinks is another boat, it stops. Um, So the boat actually stopped. Then I realized it was very foggy outside and it hadn't been previously, uh, which is a also common thing that happens. I have since learned with many paranormal experiences, many UFO type experiences, and just many unexplainable things. So fog is like a weird, I don't know. I don't know what the fog is for or what it yeah. does, you know, but it appeared and I was like, okay, so now we're foggy. It's foggy. The boat has stopped. The spotlight comes on. So they're trying to search, you know, the lights have since I think gone. I didn't see them again. But the ferry boat has to stop, like I said, when it sees a boat and it has to then search because it thinks probably like there's a boat that's going to hit them or maybe there's people in the water. You know, they're they're obliged to to search. And so the searchlight was on for a few minutes and no announcement came on, which would be normal. Normally, they could say something like there's a boat. We have to stop and wait. We're sorry for the interruption or something. They say nothing, probably because they have no idea what's going on either, because probably what they saw was also somewhat unexplainable. Probably they saw the lights zoom by way too fast for any craft to be going. I'm not sure uh, because I never communicated with them about it. And um, I just have this very strange feeling like we are not even in this dimension anymore, which who knows if we were or not. But I just am looking around. I'm like, now I can't even really see the water. It's very foggy. You know, so I'm almost like feeling sick. Like I can't explain any of this. And it's almost like terrifying and too much. So, you know, it's very overwhelming. And finally, I get back in the car and I'm like, do you guys like, what is it? And by then people are starting to, these people I'm with, my friends are starting to rationalize to themselves. One of them, Coast Guard, that was the Coast Guard. And I was like, but the Coast Guard can't zoom around and make crazy patterns and change colors. No. And they were like, no, it's, it's no, it's the Coast Guard. I'm like, wow. So this is like, and I'm like, okay, I kind of get it. Like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm starting to feel sick. I don't even know if we're in this dimension anymore. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm also not going to push them on it. Cause if I'm feeling this way and like, they, you know, like, I don't know where their psyche is. At. I don't want anyone to like break down mentally. So I just kind of stopped talking about it. And I'm like, and then the ferry starts moving again. And then like things start to feel normal again. And then we dock and we drive off and I'm like, okay, I don't know. I'm really tired and I'm really overwhelmed. And, and I, uh, as time days went on, I finally asked them, you know, did you guys like, what happened? Do you remember? Or, like what, what was that? And no one would even respond. They were like, don't, like, I'm not, stop, don't talk yeah. to me. I was like, this is weird. Yeah. And finally, um, and I don't remember how long it took, if it was weeks or months or like what went on. But finally, one of my friends, the one who was insistent that it was the Coast Guard, uh, I asked her again one day, I was like, you have to just tell me you remember because it's going to drive me insane. And she was like, okay, I remember and I never want to talk about it again. Don't <sighs> ever bring it up again. And I was like, Wow. And it just, I just, many things uh, we could talk about about that experience. But one of them, I just realized there's people who just cannot deal with the idea that something yeah. in our experience is outside of the material or the explainable. And it would be horrible of me to push it further, you know? So I just oh, never talked sure. to any of them about it again. And, um, and it makes me wonder too, like how many people have had crazy experiences that they literally block out and will not acknowledge ever again, you know, almost like a traumatic experience. Um, 
So yeah, it was, uh, so I, there's another aspect to the story, but I don't know if you want to pause and ask about any of those things that have happened. Sure. I just have a couple of things before we get there is, um, number one, um, the only thing I've personally had close to a sighting is, um, this is quite a few years ago. I was driving home from work at about two in the morning and I just want to point out before I say the story, I grew up about, uh, 45 minutes away from Toronto's airport like a major airport, like, uh, in a small town, but my house was right in the path of the jet stream as they were ascending, as the planes were ascending. So, and right now where I've been the last six years, I live near a regional airport. So I know a thing or two about what planes are supposed to look like like. (laughs) in the day and the night. And one night in the sky, driving home from work at 2 AM, I saw this light, but it wasn't moving like a plane. And it almost, it was gliding along and then it almost went into like a reverse J shape and then just kind of disappeared. And it was so fast and, you know, I had a long tiring evening, but I looked at that and I'm like, that's not normal. Like, (laughs) what was that? And can't say for sure if it was a UFO or if it was like your experience. But I mean, sometimes you look in the sky and you just see things and experience things that aren't quite right and you don't know how to articulate them. So that's my close. Often they're like. Oh, I'm being noticed. And they might like start to act more normal or they might mess with you and be like, I'm going to do something crazy. Cause a lot of times, I don't know with, about you, but it, it just, they respond to your, like that light I saw up in the sky, I'm sure was those three lights. I think it broke up and, and came down. And I think it again, like noticed that I had noticed it and was responding to me noticing it. Cause otherwise I can't explain how did I see this really extremely bright object in the sky. And then all of a sudden that was gone and these were here, you know, like the two things have to be connected and it has to be that it responded to my thoughts. I mean, it could be something else, but that's my best explanation at this point. Um, And uh, just before you continue and wrap this story up, I want to point out if you ever get a chance, cheap plug here, listen to the two episodes of unexplained incorporated that have had the musician, Kevin Estrella or Australia on here. He, had a major UFO sighting in a major city here in Canada. And it was a crowded neighborhood, like full urban neighborhood. He was the only one who ever saw it. And he's had literally, he's had relationships with entities ever since that aren't of this dimension. So what I wanted to ask you, and you may be going here anyway, is that you talked about, you know, uh, you do tarot readings, you're psychic, I guess, for a lack of a better (laughs) word. Is that correct? I don't know how you describe it, but I'm connected to some (laughs) source of knowing that sometimes I can tap into at least. (laughs) Sure, sure. But anyway, but Kevin, Kevin's a guitar player and he's convinced that um, he brought them on through the tuning and the frequency of his guitar playing, which I find very believable. So I just wanted to like ask before you carried on, do you think that, you know, say when there's sightings like this, whether they're out on the water in the forest or in major urban areas and some people see them and some don't, is that because these individuals are connected, like Mm. you said, or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know exactly how, you know, cause I don't want to get too narrow and and limit myself but i i do believe there's something like that going on and it makes sense to me that he you know thought of it as as through his guitar playing he sort of accessed that and i um i i believe that just like that person people really because none of them ever acknowledged it but (laughs) just like those people could not 
ever acknowledge that this has happened. And I, and I think there's possibly many people who have had many experiences that they blocked out and can't acknowledge. I think it's kind of both ways, right? I think that some of us have this um, connection, if you want to say that, or this sort of vibration or frequency that we can tap into and that these beings also live and exist even more so, I think, in, in recognition of that way of being or that level of being. Mm-hmm. And I also um, believe that you sort of, that they are attracted to people who have that. Do you know what I mean? So you you oh, kind of like sure. can access that more easily and they can access you more easily, I think, if you are in this sort of space or able to exist in this space. <laughs> um, no, I, I agree with that for sure. And to wrap up uh, this part of your story, were you going to go in that general direction or were you going to take us somewhere else? No, this is just a, such a random, this is how life I think plays with you and your okay. sort of, your sort of soul, maybe like lines up experiences for you to be like, haha, gotcha. Or like, Hey, don't forget. <laughs> like, this is what's really going on here. Uh, Cause yeah. I can't really explain the next thing that happened either. And this is maybe a year later or two, uh, not too far later, but long enough that it's like, it wasn't the main thing in my mind, you know, but it was like still one, I mean, to this day, it's one of the strangest experiences I've ever had. Um, <laughs> so it's never going to go too far You've away. You've had some strange ones. Really strange. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. if I told people all the things that I can even remember <laughs> that have happened, I don't think right. that they would really even believe me. And I probably people listening to this don't even believe what I just said, but at the next, <laughs> the next piece makes it even less believable. And yet it happened. Um, okay. So I moved to a new area. I was still in Washington, still nearby. I had been there, you know, before. It's like the, a very large region uh, near Seattle, basically. And so a lot of the suburbs, you know, it's like you you go there, but I didn't know them that well. So I was it was new to the area, and I didn't know that that micro region very well at all. Mm-hmm. And I moved into this apartment, and I I was bored one day. I didn't have a car yet, and I wanted to walk somewhere, but I didn't know where, and I didn't know why. I didn't have a lot of money, and I was like, oh, I can. there's a library down the street. It looks like, you know, it's like a couple miles away. That'd be a nice walk, and then I can get a book. It's free. You know, it'll take up some time. Like, whatever. It'll be cool. So I walked to this library that I've literally never been to in my life, and I'm like, oh, there's this thing that I've heard of where you just, like, walk uh, into a, a library, and you go to a place, you go to a random area, and just grab a book, and then they read that book. And I'm like, I've wanted to try that. You know, and this would be the best way to try it, because I've never been to this library, so I won't even know if I'm in fiction or nonfiction or anything, you know, I'll just, like, try not to pay attention, and, like, look, you know, walk to an area and pick out a book. So I walk in the door and I'm just walking and I turn and I like grab and I grab a book and I just like look at it and it's like something like, and I wish that I knew, but you know, this is before the internet, that previous experience I described is before drones or any of this stuff, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, the internet existed, but like, it wasn't like, we didn't have like cell phones yeah. everywhere, dial internet everywhere. Yeah. It was all dial up and, <laughs> you know, so I don't, I maybe wrote it down, but I've lost it since then, but it's something like paranormal and strange experiences or something. It's like a pretty like kitschy sounding you're like oh, okay this is good but it'll be fun and i yeah. like these types of topics so whatever mm-hmm. it's like 10 stories or something i bring it home i'm reading through it and it's like here's one about a yeti and here's one about you know i don't know so oh one of them was like someone healing themselves with their mind with meditation oh. over years or days or months or whatever i don't know there's all these just very cool stories and it's actually cooler than i thought it was going to be and a nice mix of things you know and then I get to this one story and uh, and I'm reading it and it's like this guy goes out, he's on his boat, he's like fishing or whatever, and it's before first light or something. And all of a sudden he sees a really bright light in the sky and he thinks, wow, that light is way brighter than it should be. And then it disappears. And then next to him appears three lights. And then the three lights start moving in synchronous movement. And then they move faster and faster and then they change colors and then they make shapes. And I'm like, what? 
<laughs> that is my story. That happened to yeah. me. I was Ooh. on a boat at night. I saw that light. I saw those three. Like, this is exactly the same story. And I picked this book up out of nowhere in a library I'd never been in by chance. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And there's no way I'll say that's by chance because I don't think chance plays into that stuff. There, there's a reason, you know? Exactly. And maybe the main reason was to show me um, nothing happens by chance. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? maybe. Because yeah. I'm like, this yeah, is... For sure. Again, I can tell anybody this story and maybe 10% of them will believe it. <laughs> um, what? Well, I, I believe it because I've had a lot of strange happenings like that. But you're right. Most one, they'll just say, oh, just coincidence, yada, yada, you know. But Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, how? Yeah. How does that happen? How many books have a story exactly like that in them? Probably one, you know, in all of eternity. <laughs> yeah. And the nature of this story is that, like, you didn't even originally intend to go to the library and find this book. You're just no. wandering and you're like, oh, I better find something to do. Oh, let's do this. Oh, let's go here. Like, it right. was like you were unconsciously guided, right? Yeah, I wanted to like throw the book and scream and be like, what is this? <laughs> what are you trying to tell me? I'm like, okay, nothing's really trying to tell me anything except that life is way deeper uh, than we otherwise sometimes imagine and that things have been arranged, I think, by ourselves. I think my soul arranged for that to happen, you know? And it was like nudging me. It's like, yeah, go to the library. Yeah, just go yeah. around a book. <laughs> yeah, Lindsay. Um, so when you were on last time, I was talking about. Uh, making the leap into practicing shamanism and learning about it. Yeah. Well, due to COVID and other timing and uh -huh. having a full plate, like I do, uh, there are some people in my area doing it, but they're not doing it in person. So I think I'm postponing it until 2021, but That's I will just say right now, before we get to our main topic, when I get a little deeper into those studies, I'm going to have you back on because yeah. I've had a lot of weird, uh, instances like you had with the book, but in shamanic visions. So it's just, oh, it's yeah. a little, it's a little too early to share <laughs> about them though, but you're right. A hundred percent life is so much deeper than we normally perceive unless us and the true believers that listen to this podcast go looking for it. So what I want to do right now is I want to explain this in a way to people who don't know this concept or this is brand new information to them. And the guests I had on last week's podcast at the end of the show, they were a couple of gentlemen who host the mystery stone podcast. And it's all about magic and metaphysics. It's, it's like right up your alley. It's really cool. And I asked them at the end to tie into this episode, if they thought the occult and, you know, spells and magic had a, an influence on governments and power structures. And they said, 100%. And these are guys who study the subject pretty deep and pretty, uh, and what's the word I'm looking for? Enthusiastically with great enha enhancement. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know what I yes. mean? Even though the words right. are escaping <laughs> me right now. So it was a credible source to say that. And I wanted to talk about this with you because even if you didn't have extensive knowledge, I knew you would understand where I was going with this and you'd be able to articulate it to uh, the true believers that are listening right now. So. Yes. You did a whole podcast series on what's known as the elite bloodlines and the 13 families that allegedly run the world. Going to get to that shortly. However, first, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Since uh, I'm up in Canada, born and raised, how well, Lindsay, do you know your Canadian prime ministers? Um, I only know Trudeau. <laughs> okay. And I only know him because of how crazy things have gotten recently and <laughs> World governments have seemed a lot smaller lately, but, um, yeah. And I'll I only know that he seems to be a panderer 
<laughs> and that um, he seems to be the son of Castro. <laughs> yeah. In the public eye, he is the son of former Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau. But that is a whole other story for another day as to whose <laughs> son he really is and all that. Right. But I want <laughs> to tell you about Canada's longest serving Prime Minister to set the table. And that's William Lyon Mackenzie King. So on three different terms, King was... Canada's Prime Minister for a combined 22 years. And the reason being is that I think his third and final term um, bled into World War II. And I think because of wartime measures and all that, his term got extended until uh, after the war was over. But uh, King lived a secret life. And not a lot of these details came out until after his death in the 1960s, because a lot of what he was exploring was in the 20s and the 30s. And a man, you know, who was in that position of power in politics didn't talk about this stuff openly. So this is some of the things that have come out that he was into. So William Lyon Mackenzie King um, was said to have turned to psychic mediums for guidance after some close friends and family members died. He had a real affection for seances in the 1930s, like pre-World War II. And would I don't know why this happened, but I read an article that said he used to travel to Detroit for these seances. I don't know what was there for him, but apparently yeah. it was a hot spot. He also, when he was serving in the nation's capital, Ottawa, took up the practice of table wrapping, which is an old form of uh, medium communication as well. Huh. And... Like I said, none of this was exposed in the public eye until after he died. And another interesting note is that some of his executors allegedly burned notebooks um, of his sessions with mediums. So he went to mediums for advice and for sessions, I think also during World War II. But whatever was revealed in those notes is gone forever and was burned and that's that. So... For anyone who says that people in government are too busy or, you know, <laughs> they're too secular to get into the metaphysical and the occult, you could start right there with doing a little more research on William Lyon Mackenzie King. Yes. So. Oh, yeah. There, I always think it's so weird when people try to pretend like governments don't, people in government don't do these nefarious things. I'm like, we have nothing but evidence that they're nefarious. You know, we have yeah. nothing but evidence that elite people yep. practice pedophilia, for example. I don't know if yep. we wanted to go there or not, but that, that 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 has happened for thousands of years. For thousands of years, these people have practiced astrology. They've had court astrologers. They've had magicians. They've had court magicians. Now, in modern days, we don't necessarily... Um, acknowledge a lot of that, right? But that's our tradition is that kings and queens, you know, the rulers of our world have done those types of things. Um, and then like you're saying, even as early as as this last century, we've had people who are into all sorts of things like seances and, um, you know, mediumship and all of this. Is And that was a somewhat open, like you were saying, you know, it didn't necessarily become the thing people focused on at that time. But it's not like anyone was trying too hard to hide it at that, you know, when this was all popular in, I don't know, the 40s or whatever, whenever this was popular, I don't remember. But then, yeah. and, and so why would that just suddenly stop? Thousands of years of tradition in this, and now right. all of a sudden, now we're saying that politicians are just normal people in business suits who are, you know, some, <laughs> sometimes taking bribes, but otherwise, like, pretty good. It's like, I don't know if you understand. And these bloodlines, like you were talking about, 
They reach yep. back for thousands of years. And all of these people who come to power in all of these countries just so happen to be connected to those bloodlines. It's like, that's not a coincidence. Yeah. I'll just say this before we get into that. Um, in my community, I know some like civic civic level politicians and they're good people who seem to just legitimately want to do what's best for their community. And it's like that in a lot of municipalities, but it's like the further and further you go up the ladder, the dirtier and weirder it gets. Yeah, You know what I mean? And there's a whole correlation between practicing like the occult and the dark arts and trying to gain and attain power by one way or another, which we're going to get into here. But, uh, Lindsay, you did a whole podcast series on these, which we discussed before recording, which oddly enough has stopped working (laughs) in a lot of outlets. But um, I was wondering for people who are not familiar with the 13 families in elite bloodlines that are still basically in power behind the shadows in the world today, if you could set the table for us on that, then we'll really get into this. Sure. Yeah, there's um, there's the famous book by Fritz Springmeier, which is the 13 bloodlines of the Illuminati. And that's where a lot of our sort of most people in this community, at least our, 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 our knowledge about these families comes from that point. But people have done so much more research since then to add on to this. But Fritz really like laid the table. Um, and I think Fritz was coming from a Christian point of view and, and the main um, urge behind it, the main motivation behind it was to unmask this sort of satanic uh, work that is being done. And so there is a lot of those trappings when we are talking about these things of sort of Christianity versus Satanism almost. And mm. um, so you can look at it through that lens if you want, but you can also just look at it in this practical lens of like, these families have had power again for thousands of years. Um, and And you can trace that and map that. And there's people who have done the uh, family trees of these people tried to at least they're very convoluted um and there's people who have just mapped their holdings as much as you can you know because a lot of this is somewhat public at least um and the names that we tend to focus on the most now are rockefeller and rothschild although yeah. kennedy's and you know the duponts and these other yeah. families are still talked about but those for some reason the rockefellers and the rothschilds have the most you know, for normal people would recognize those names and, and at least be able to say like, oh, yeah, those people are powerful. Um, but yeah, there's those 13 families. And I even think. Um, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I just wanted to say, like, um, for anyone who says that they don't believe that certain families would keep their bloodlines like within a family or whatever. Just remember, yeah. if you study any monarchy at any point in history, Number one, monarchies were supposedly chosen by divine beings or gods to rule the people. They were a step above the people they were ruling. And number two, the royals and the monarchs kept it all within their family because whoever perished at the throne, the throne was only going to someone in that name or that bloodline. So for someone who's, say, in finance or business or education or what have you, those same templates exist as they did uh, for those monarchies way back when, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. And they're, these people are obsessed with blood, right? like obsessed mm. with it. And it's not that part's not secret either. Like we see these marriages and inner inner family connections that go back thousands of years as well. But this obsession with blood um, goes beyond, I think, just this idea of, um, you know, like legally passing down titleship or whatnot right or like possessions or rulership or whatever it is it goes uh 
And it goes, and we know it goes beyond that because we can look at things like even uh, Hitler and Nazism was obsessed with yeah. with blood. Uh, and there's so, so there's mm-hmm. something for these people that's in the blood that's beyond ownership and possession and legal framework. There's something magical about the blood and the bloodlines that they and they know it, or at least that's what they believe. So like we don't even have to believe it ourselves. We can look at them. We can say they clearly believe this, and they're obsessed with it. It's it's of the height of importance. So. It always is interesting to think about, like, what about blood can be that important? And people have posited, oh, it's Rh negative and and Rh positive, and that's what they're obsessed with. And I don't think it's that simple because I have Rh negative blood, and I'm not monarchy or royalty, you know. <laughs> and I know a lot of people who aren't. Um, and so it's not that simple. It's not just Rh. Maybe that's part of it, right? Maybe they are all Rh negative, and maybe they do want to preserve that or something. But that's not the entirety of it. There's something else going on. So do some of these, you know, families or elites believe that their blood or their blood type possesses something magical or something that is, say, way different from what the average person does, or it gives them a draw to power or some kind of uh, power they have over others, if you understand where I'm going with that? Absolutely. And I think, so there's, I think there's two parts of it. I think one has to do with prophecy and I think one has to do with lineage. Um, prophecy is important. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. I think in their minds, there's a prophecy or many that, that say these certain people or this certain person of this certain line will be this certain thing in the future. Right. And they really want to control that. <laughs> they really right. believe this prophecy and they really want to be the family or the person or the people who have the power that's connected to that role that comes up in the future, whether that happens or not, who can say, but that that's mm-hmm. one half of it at least. And the other half of it is that they trace their lineage back to something. And that something is so important to them to keep that right. somehow alive in the bloodline. So it hasn't come back since then. And it isn't making more of anything since then. And whatever this is happened way back when, and they want to keep that going in the world. So I actually, uh, after much time and consideration and wondering like what this was, I really like the, um, ideas of Gary Wayne and the Genesis six conspiracy. And so I don't know if we want to go there with it and talk about what that original thing was that brought that bloodline into being. Okay. I'm not familiar with that, but I will say this, what you're saying right now makes me think in more of a cinematic terms that it seems like in star Wars, the entire Skywalker family is force sensitive or has a very strong connection to the force that say another family in the galaxy wouldn't have. I'd say it's something similar to that. eh? Well, I think that's part of why they made star Wars was to reinforce this idea in the, in the mass mind that bloodline is of vital importance and that every one of this bloodline has this certain claim and this certain power um, more than, more than anything else, I think they want to teach us there in subtle ways. They're not openly doing it, but all our stories are the same. Yeah. All our all our culture is focused on these same sort of themes. And I think they want to inculcate us with their way of viewing the world, basically. Whether we think it's fiction or not, we still have that now in our mind. <laughs> For sure. In your research with the 13 families and bloodlines going from generation to generation, did you find any links to any newer bloodlines that may go into this category that people don't often talk about, as you mentioned, say Rockefeller, Rothschild, et cetera. Did you find some that stood out and made you go, whoa, I think we should pay more attention to this, these families. I haven't actually uh, necessarily found that, but I do think that um, they're really good at hiding 
<laughs> who's in which family sometimes. So like we were oh, talking about sure. Trudeau, Trudeau might've actually been Castro's son and then who knows yeah. where Castro came from. And so I think there's some people who, um, for that reason, so that they can be brought out and almost, almost like, a, Oh, see, they don't control everything. Here's this outsider that's in power now. And you're like, Oh, not really. Maybe. Right. Um, so I think that, and I also think that there's probably <laughs> a lot of, um, people or families maybe even that we never have known about that are like the true power behind the power, you know, like there's these 13 right. families that we kind of know about, and maybe there's a couple that control even all of them that we've never heard of. Cause it makes more sense to me that there would be some people that we have never seen or heard of. You know what I mean? Agre- like that there's some yeah. hidden power. Yeah. Maybe I'm not. pretty sure of that myself. No, well, yeah, it's, I kind of lean towards that myself, but uh, to talk about the families hiding one another, I don't want to talk too much about this individual because I've been listening a lot about them and I'm kind of burnt out on it, but the Mm -hmm. name Alistair Crowley has to come up briefly (laughs) in this conversation. And he was the most wicked man in the world. That was his gimmick, his proclamation. He was heavily into the occult and do what that wilt, serve thyself, all that stuff. You could do your own research on him. I don't want to get too full into that here. It gets really controversial and weird and it's kind of all over the place. But the reason I bring him up here is that he had very close ties to the British government and its intelligence agencies, which is probably why he was able to go from country to country and avoid creditors and law enforcement and basically do whatever he wanted. And he also had ties into music. Uh, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin was a huge follower of his and even bought one of his houses, which Mm. had a lot of weird stuff go on in it. But the thing that came to my attention not too long ago was that there's a a very strong thesis out there to say that um, Barbara Bush, the wife of George H.W. Bush, was, I think, uh, was was she the daughter or granddaughter of Crowley? Lots of people think that she's his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And And when you look, you're like, this resemblance is stunning. Like, you're like, okay, yeah, that's his daughter for sure. (laughs) Yeah, that's scary. So like we talked about Trudeau and Barbara Bush, Mm-hmm. This could be, could be allegedly evidence that these bloodlines are disguising themselves in different families. So, I mean, that's for some, for you to look in on your own, but I mean, I want to touch on something before we move on to our next topic here is that some people have said this to me, and I think it's a very fair point to listen to, even though I don't totally agree with it. They say, well, there can't be some grand conspiracy of a select few controlling the masses because well, we're humans and humans have vices and, you know, pardon my mouth, but they fuck up. And (laughs) if there was, you know, a grand conspiracy being held together by a select few or a select few at the top, then somebody would have succumbed to some of these vices, sex, drugs, or what have you. And the whole system would have fallen apart. Now that's a fair assessment, even though it's not one I fully agree with because Unfortunately, we could be easily duped and manipulated. And I think these groups meet together all the time at various points in the world. And if you really dig at some of them, it's staggering to see how connected each institution is to one another. And if they may or may not be involved in what we would call the dark arts. And this brings me to the much maligned and talked about Bohemian Grove. (laughs) in Northern California. So I'm going to give a quick summary here about what it is in case uh, some do not know. 
So Bohemian Grove is like uh, a huge secluded campground in the redwood forests of Northern California. I refer to it as a West Coast Camp David, which I think is a very fair assessment. And it's almost like a campground for the elites of politics, uh, celebrity, um, finance, corporations, what have you. And a lot of allegedly strange stuff has gone on there. Some of it has been caught on film. Nothing illegal has been caught on film, but the stuff you can watch on film, you're going to look at and you're going to go, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) I mean, there's no crimes being committed, but there's some very weird happenings going on. And they would have their annual event, I believe, every July. It's by invitation only. And it is sworn to extreme levels of secrecy. And I think you and I both know, um, if something is guarded with extreme secrecy with people in power, there's probably not so much innocent fun and games going on. There's probably some nefarious activity or planning of it, to say the least. Absolutely. The weirdest thing that has come to the public knowledge about Bohemian Grove is the statue of an old Canaanite god from the Old Testament. You know, a real cheery book, the Old Testament is, (laughs) from what I know about it anyway. Um, And it's called Moloch. Now, I did a lot of research. I don't know if you've ever been to the site, Lindsay, but it's an excellent alt-media publication, uh, Collective Evolution. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have a lot of great articles uh, about this, which I'm going to put in the show notes. But um, a couple of years ago, um, a statue of Moloch got erected in the Roman Colosseum, like right where the tourists go through. And that statue, which is the actual representation of Moloch, has a human torso and like the head of a bull and the all-seeing eye on the chest. And it's really freaky and creepy looking and religious travelers who visit the Roman Colosseum are pretty upset that it's there. Um, and it was put up for some exhibition, even though it's probably there for some other nefarious reason, I'm sure other than what we were told, but this was Moloch's role. Okay. In the old Testament, Moloch was associated, the God associated with human sacrifice specifically the sacrifice of human children. And like I said, it's on display in the Colosseum. And it says it is customary in Carthage, which is, you know, kind of the region where it originated and where it was worshipped, to burn children alive as offerings to this deity, who was also referred to as Baal, which I believe is a demon name, Mm -hmm. and Cronus or Saturn, the Roman god who apparently ate his own children. So, Another manifestation of Moloch is an owl and the photos, the few photos in the video that have been released publicly of Bohemian Grove show a bunch of hooded figures doing a mock sacrifice in front of this large stone statue that is in the shape of an owl. They're burning the sacrifice. Yeah. And the cremation. Yeah, the cremation of care, to be exact, which can be interpreted a lot of different ways. But to me, it sounds like a cremation of care is like killing a part of your soul and your spirit, don't you think? Yeah. 
Well, if you, and you have to do that, if you think about the things that you're being asked to partake in, and when you're part of these power circles, right, you no longer can have compassion. And just like Aleister Crowley and this sort of whole, <laughs> there's a thread that runs through all of this in it. And it's a lot about yeah. um, not we'll caring get about, there. we'll get there. Or, yeah. Not caring about yeah. humans and not having compassion uh, and not letting that be a, a bar to your uh, choice to fulfill your own selfish and, you know, uh, hedonistic sort of desires, right? Don't worry about any of those things. Just do exactly what feels best to you in this moment. Uh, and so you have to, you have to sever your connection to something in order to do those things. You can't just do them. <laughs> so in layman's terms, look out for number one, screw the rest is what you're saying. Absolutely. And if you can get people to that spot, they're much more controllable and malleable for for many reasons, right? One, because they no longer have mm -hmm. that connection to self and to whatever we want to call like our soul, our spirituality, our compassion for other people. But also, too, because now they can be blackmailed because the normal public is going to be like, you right. did what in the woods? <laughs> like, Who is this guy? Yeah. Why is this guy in office? Like, are you would hope? Apparently now you could do almost anything and no one cares. But <laughs> So another another red flag at Bohemian Grove is uh, the symbol has the owl on it, and it says the saying "Weaving spiders come not here," mm. which like just reading that gives me the creeps. Yeah. I find out it's from William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream, but it's be it's to be interpreted as any outside political or religious discussions, corporate discussions, they're to be left out of here. And we don't want outsiders making their way into what's really going on here. Mm -hmm. So there's photos, there's video. Um, the great Duncan Trussell was on Joe Rogan's first ever Spotify episode in September. They oh. got into a big discussion of it, which was really cool, what but they're kind of towing the line of like, well, what if this is a bunch of men just, you know, acting out frat house rituals and okay, I've never been in a fraternity. That's never my thing. And I know that some weird stuff goes on in, you know, yeah. frat houses and stuff, but nothing to the like where you're doing a mock burning sacrifice to a stone owl. Like something yeah. is not right about this. Like, would you agree? Oh yeah. And if you, I'll even take it a step further and say that frat houses are training grounds for people to become uh, the lower level members of these sort of secret societies. And there's a reason why they have those types of rituals and frat houses. And it's because it's, it's preparing you and all of the things that you're supposed to do. And I'm sorry, I'm not saying that anybody who's ever been in a frat or that every single frat is literally like evil. Or, I'm not saying that I'm saying <laughs> their tradition was created on purpose in order to get people used to these types of things. And you can sort of test people then like, okay, if you're willing to, uh, again, every frat house has this sort of um, process where you have to, almost sacrifice again a part of yourself like well you have to do this this and this to prove that you're whatever you know and so you do something mm -hmm. you would have never otherwise done in order to s please these people and again you're just that much more controllable now by whoever is your superior you're trainable <laughs> on an even lower frequency level um this goes on in team sports even True. with kids known as yeah. hazing hazing i think it's kind of been uh culturally canceled in a lot of ways but and probably not as bad as what it used to be, but it still used to go on. It still goes on, I should say, in some circles. And it's the exact same principle yeah. is to kind of degrade you in order to control you as part yeah. of the team. So for Good the talk. critics out there who are probably saying, okay, this, this sounds crazy. You guys have lost <laughs> your minds. But I bet you anything the people up to these rituals or mock rituals, they probably aren't anybody that we know. Mm-hmm. 
Now, <laughs> listen to this. I want to say in my research, Collective Evolution on one of their articles on Bohemian Grove, which I will put in the show notes again, they took me to a series of books written in the 1960s and 70s about inside accounts of Bohemian Grove. I don't have wow. the author's name with me at the moment, but I will put it in the show notes. And this is a public document, so I wasn't trespassing, but this link took me to the CIA's website <laughs> where I could find this. And I was like, whoa, this is getting heavy, but I'm going <laughs> to now the it's like a 30 plus page document and it's pretty packed. But through this, here are some of the names uh, people like us would probably recognize who are members of the Bohemian Club, which Bohemian Grove is based upon. Mm. Former presidents Richard Nixon and Herbert Hoover. <laughs> former news anchor extraordinaire Walter Cronkite. Another former president, George H.W. Bush. Teddy Roosevelt and Ronald Reagan. Now, one of their big selling points to their elite friends who are asked to come via invite only is something called the Lakeside Talks, which is kind of like, you know, the, I guess it's the Ted Talks in the woods or something like <laughs> to say yeah. the least. So they bring in key keynote speakers and here are some of the people who were identified as keynote speakers over the years. And some of these will raise some red flags with some of you, I'm sure. Uh, Earl Warren from the Supreme Court, Senator Robert Taft, Werner von Braun, the <laughs> Nazi who started NASA. That wow. shouldn't have any red flags at all. Yeah. <laughs> the radio mogul David Sarnoff, Nelson Rockefeller. Oh, there's a name we've heard before. Henry Kissinger and Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon, heavily tied to NASA. So all of these allegations about nefarious ritual and possible scheming and mong mongering of evil, this stuff can't be proved in a court of law, obviously. No. Yeah. However, when you see some of those names and what allegedly has gone on there through photos and video and what that stone owl represents, you have to put two plus two plus two together and say, okay, there's something really funny about this. Oh yeah. It's absolutely you. Like you said, you can't prove it in a court of law, but you can look at all of the evidence and you can go, there's no way that this is nothing. <laughs> there's no, I mean, yeah. clearly people are doing something here. They don't want other people to know, like you pointed out. Uh, and it has its fingers in all these different areas. It's not just government. Like you said, it's our news and our media, NASA, you know, and we can tie all those things back to black magic as well, right? If you want to tie together Crowley, Parsons, Von Braun, NASA, and dark, dark occult magic, like that's yeah. a matter of public record. That's not even conjecture. You know, we've got the Babylon Rising ritual, which is just documented. In fact, it's uh, set in the, what is that dam? Is it the Hoover Dam? I think Maybe. it's the Hoover Dam down by okay. um, uh, Las Vegas. Yep, if you go to that dam yeah. and you visit it, it's got the the placement of the stars at the moment of that ritual on the like stone tiling of the <laughs> walkway that you the whole thing is just a monument to this ritual that they did. Wow. So it's it's crazy. It's not even a it's not even hidden. It's just can you get people to look at it long enough and think about it deeply enough that they can admit it to themselves? Sort of like that experience I had that I was describing, you know? Can people look at it and be like, okay, wow, <laughs> you know, like this is what's happening in our world. It's studying this 
yeah, studying this stuff with Bohemian Grove, all I can say is, is I get a real funny feeling about it with my intuition. That's it. That's all I yeah. can say. But my funny feelings usually are not based on nothing out of thin air. And another oh, yeah. thing I found, I like, I don't have time to get into all of this right now, but I was looking at some other guests and speakers. And for example, let's say one guest, he's the president of an automobile corporation, but he also serves as a trustee at a major university. He worked in as a media executive for years and years. And he's also on the chairman, the chairman of the board of the American Boy Scouts. Like it's amazing how tied together all these people are. And if they're meeting in one place secretly, then that whole, oh, one small group can't be holding a giant conspiracy together kind of falls apart, doesn't it? It does to me. Yeah. Well, and they have their backups for in case anything happens. And we've seen it over and over again. Someone will come out and they'll be like, okay, I was there. I I was a part of this. I'm sorry about what my part, but I need to tell you guys, like, here's what I saw. And people are like, that person's crazy. They write them off as crazy and the whole media turns against them. They're crazy now, you know, or if somebody um, sneaks in and sees it, they're like, oh, well, they just took it out of context. And here's what was actually going on. We weren't hunting humans. We were just having this party where we all dressed up like deer and geese or whatever they're doing you know like they just always can find a way to explain it away call these people crazy discredit it and they have all these you know they have the media colleges all these things on their side to hold up that story and i mean we see it with everything with pizzagate you know if you take away that name pizzagate and you just say a a collection of evidence that is very fishy and points towards pedophilia uh you can look and you can find again public records open documents actual evidence and you can say well, it really seems very likely that the elites are trafficking children. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But when you add the word Pizzagate, you're like, oh, that's a crazy conspiracy theory. And it's dangerous because it made someone shoot a gun somewhere, which I'll point out, by the way, just so happened to hit the hard drive that would have contained the evidence that could have said that that pizza parlor oh. maybe actually was involved in something. But we're supposed to ignore mm-hmm. that. <laughs> anyway, and it's here's, just here, here's another tool. Um, I'll just bring this up because it's appropriate for what you're saying every single time you read a story that says oh so and so was a conspiracist or this idea is a conspiracy theory it's right wing every single time have you ever heard of a left-wing conspiracy theory because i've never come across that no but when you now that you're saying that i i've just recently been like wow i'm just realizing that it's totally okay to be a conspiracy theorist if you're left-wing. So if you're saying Donald Trump colluded with Russia and da da da, like that's an okay conspiracy. And if you're saying that, yeah. I don't even remember what their most recent one is, but you know, they, but then those are all okay. You can put those on CNN. They're great. But as soon as you have anything that's like against the left, now it's a crazy conspiracy theory and you're dangerous. I'm like, that's yeah, very convenient. And, <laughs> yeah. And before we get to another major historical figure who used his version of media and propaganda, which the gentleman from mystery stone podcast said propaganda is a form of spell casting, which we'll get to in True. a minute. Yeah. I want to say one, one last thing about Bohemian Grove. Cause I was thinking about this in the current election. <laughs> Could you imagine one of these elites or a group of them trying to drag Donald Trump out to this area? Because to my knowledge, I don't believe he's ever been there. So I, it's, it's fascinating to me. Cause I'm like, I don't want to trust any politician. I have to, I have no, to start no, from no. the point that they're all questionable. Right. But as, but I look at Donald Trump and I have the same thing. I'm like, so he went to the Epstein's Island 
once. No, he didn't even go to the yeah. island. He just flew on his plane once, only once. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is like 15 times they went to the island over and over again, you yeah. know? So I'm like, I'm like, is it possible that he actually somehow like rose to the top and touched on all of these things, but never dove into them? I don't know. It's well, not it's very funny. likely, just, <laughs> but it's possible. Have, well, he's the one president that has no political or military background. And right. I just have this vision, and this is just hilarious and absurd of him being dragged to that ceremony at Bohemian Grove. And, you know, he's a big hand talker with the yeah. both hands shaking like this. I can imagine yeah. him saying, what is this? It's just a giant stone <laughs> owl. Who cares? Like, Why I can just are see you him... jacking off onto it? <laughs> <laughs> I can just see him going to a ceremony like that and be like, what is this? Like, get me out of here. I'm bored. Like, let's like, this is stupid, you know? True. <laughs> so, I mean, we can't say whether he's been there or not, but I mean, right. just how he's presented himself, it doesn't seem like he's gone into this old boys club. And I think that scares a lot of them, but I just thought I'd get that off my chest. It does seem like they're terrified. They've had this four year media campaign against him and (laughs) it's pretty intense. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this that I can point to and say, you know what I mean? That's similar at all. It's very interesting. All right. True believers. Some really crazy, heavy stuff I'm getting into with, Lindsay Sherman of the Rogueways podcast this week. Right now, though, I think it's time to take a break and uh, bring on a very special guest that is connected to the newest sponsor of Unexplained Incorporated. Hey, Unexplained Inc. listeners, it's Andy here, independent consultant and district manager with Arbonne International. And today, we have Phantom Phil sipping on Fizz. Fizz temporarily helps to promote alertness and helps relieve fatigue with botanicals like ginseng, B vitamins, CoQ10, chromium, and it contains naturally derived caffeine from guarana and green tea to reduce mental fatigue in cases of mental stress. Phantom Phil, how's that Fizz treating you today? Well, Andy, thank you for... uh throwing to the fizz product like that and thank you for joining me on the show it is treating me amazingly since uh, i started on it back in the summertime i want to tell you what kind of benefits it's done for me other than the ones you've listed it has given me more energy in the afternoon as you know in my day job i work it really early in the morning and I used to drink two coffees a day. Now I am down to just one. And the reason being is after that second coffee in early to mid afternoon, I would crash. I would lose energy. That does not happen with fizz. I have fizz usually around noon hour, um, my last break of work, and it keeps me going for the rest of the afternoon. If this fizz interests you or any other products through the Arbonne line, feel free to come visit my website, which is now active at arbonne.philwarder.com and once again arbonne is spelled a-r-b-o-n-n-e and if you choose to sign up as a preferred client you will get 20 to 40 percent off your purchases i would like to welcome arbonne officially as a sponsor to unexplained incorporated and i hope it benefits you the way it's benefited me and i just want to say real quick andy Welcome to the show. I think you're an official part of it now as uh, she's been the one who's been accompanying me on the ghost tours, which we've talked about on the program. And she's going to be on here every so often to help educate you on the Arbonne products. Thanks so much, Phantom Phil. It's great to be part of the team and I can't wait to do a couple more ghost walks soon. 
And once again, I swear it's the last time I'm going to do this correction from that read by yours truly, Phantom Phil. If you want to buy products through my Arbonne website, that site has been updated. It is Philip Warder, one L in Philip and W A R D E R dot Arbonne dot com. Check it out. You can get a hold of me if need be. But once again, that's Philip Warder dot Arbonne. And now, here's some more heavy political discussion with Lindsay Sharman. How do you brainwash people? You do it through the media or you do it through (laughs) education, other forms of propaganda, or a very charismatic speaker, someone who does it with force. And at this point of the discussion, Lindsay, I have to bring up Adolf Hitler and his afflictions with the occult because this one gets... uh, pretty crazy because um, there's allegedly a secret society known as the Thule Society, T-H-U-L-E, who are allegedly responsible for the rise of Hitler and the Nazi party. But they also um, were allegedly involved with another society or even a species, depending on who you ask, known as the Vril. Do you know anything about the, uh, excuse me, the Vril before I get into this? I, I only know that there's a lot of different ways of looking at what the Vril could be. So it, like you were saying, like it could be a society. People have said it's a, it's a type of craft by the Vril. <laughs> um, oh, people have, an aircraft, right? UFO. Yeah, like a UFO. Yeah. People said it's like a type of entity. And so that, so it's like, it's very enigmatic. Like what actually is it, <laughs> you know? Um, but the two, the Thule, is it Thule or Thule? I don't even know. That society well, has come up. Maybe it's Thule. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, we'll say, we'll say Thule for now, but the Thule society sure. has come up so many times in so many different conspiracies that it's like amazing. Like how, how many things they had their fingers in um, and all of it occult and all of it sort of dark and magical and did you know there's an island off the is it off of Argentina, which is one of the mm. places where you know Nazis and maybe even Hitler supposedly like relocate. I mean, a lot of them did go down there, but um, yeah. relocated to right. And now there's this island off the coast, and the island off the coast there had this very strange battle that happened that is not really explicable because why <laughs> there's nothing else there that we know of. But all of a sudden, the military mm. went there and like clashed with people or something. <laughs> um, and then it also has a connection with black goo which is also this huge enigmatic, like far reaching conspiracy that touches on all these different aspects of that could be its whole own 10 show, you know, collection of episodes. It's a huge topic, but the, but the Tule society and the real all kind of connect with all these other things too. And it's like, Oh my God, like how deep does this rabbit hole go? Here's one theory I found out about the real is that they are, um, how should I say this? They were like a race of master beings that live in the center of the earth for those who subscribe to the hollow earth theory. And they branched out, reached out to the Thule society or Thule society, and then in turn created the Nazi party and put Hitler into power. And the Vril have also been described as an Aryan species that also helped the Nazis build aircraft with UFO technology and that if World War II didn't end when it ended, there was going to be the rise of a fourth Reich with the Vril as the soldiers in combat. And this also ties into how 
the Nazi party and Hitler had a very strange, bizarre connection with Antarctica and had frequented visits there. And there's a theory, just a theory, but it's worth exploring that the Vril flew UFOs to Antarctica and went underground and are still in the hollow earth as we speak. And some have even said they have even traveled to the moon and built bases inside of it because there are some who believe the moon is hollow as well. And those are totally different shows and topics. But this connection to the Nazi party, a lot of it, of course, is just deemed as conspiracy theory. And it is really, really hard to prove. But if the Tule Society keeps popping up in different avenues of research and they may have a, a tie to the Vril, it kind of makes you wonder what was really going on with that whole thing. Plus, as we know, Hitler was a nut with finding ancient artifacts that may or may not have had magic occult powers. Yes, as 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 is our government. But um, the we also have documentation in Admiral Byrd's uh, expedition down to Antarctica, right, where um, there was a battle that took place. Um and, and it's very, again, enigmatic. We don't know what happened. We just know that there was a lot of loss of life and and U.S. military property uh, that occurred. And we don't know why. And it would be it would make sense if that is true and not just I don't know why the government would make that up and have documentation that shows that it happened. Um, but it would make sense that that would then be this advanced species or, you know, technologies that were used to 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 accomplish that because why would the military go very well stocked and and you know ready to kind of go explore and take on whatever and come away like frightened and running and with ma- major losses unless it was this very advanced technology that they were facing um so that kind of supports that possible theory that there are this advanced race of beings and that antarctica is one of their strongholds perhaps or maybe one of the entrances to the inner earth or however you want to look at that yeah and let's remember um Hitler's goal was to eradicate so the master race could rule the earth, the Aryan mm-hmm. race. And this all goes back to bloodlines and lust for power, like we talked about earlier yes. in the show. And it's staggering. Like, yeah, it may be really hard or impossible to prove existence of the real, but when you hear these ideas thrown around, you connect the dots and it really makes you think, which is all we are wanting to have people do here is just think outside the box critically here's a couple of interesting uh video game ties to all this i had growing up okay Okay. so the spear of destiny it was the spear that was allegedly pierced the side of jesus christ before he got crucified by the roman empire and the mythology with the spear grew over generations and generations and it said whoever had the spear in its possession and conquered whoever had it before him would gain, oh wait, supernatural powers. (laughs) And of course, Hitler was obsessed with this thing. I played a computer game growing up known as Wolfenstein. And it was a game where basically you went into a, a German castle and you shot up Nazis trying to free hostages and stuff. But they made a sequel called Wolfenstein Spear of Destiny And you end up getting the Spear of Destiny, but when you get it, the game doesn't end. It takes you into an alternate dimension in the castle, and (laughs) then you end up fighting the mega boss, which is like this huge winged demon. And then after that happened, I was like, 
when I found out that the Spear of Destiny was real and it wasn't, you know, just created for a video game, I freaked yeah. out. I was like, this is wild. Hi, yeah. <laughs> and also Hitler was also obsessed with the ancient society of Atlantis as well, or the lost city of Atlantis. I played another game growing up on my computer, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. <laughs> this was only ever in computer game form, but you're trying to stop the Nazis from finding the ancient city of Atlantis and why? Oh, because they found technology to turn men into gods. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting that these baseless theories or what some would consider to be baseless end up in video games that like a 10 to 12 year old kid is playing. Yeah. It's another aspect of like we were saying that all this culture seems to be reinforcing this specific set of beliefs and historical views and, you know, desirable uh we could say characteristics and in people and and um it's very fascinating to see how far reaching that is and how saturated it is in every single area of our of our culture um but it's also again we can go back to and i'm really excited because i get to have gary wayne wayne back on rogueway soon and so Mm. people want to come listen they can hear where we go with this this will be i think his third time uh, and his book is massive. It's like its own bible it's a very well researched (laughs) amazingly academic uh tome But he basically documents in a way that is, I think, unquestionable, truly, the the line of of power and how it goes all the way back to the times recorded in the Bible, you know, Genesis and, and maybe before. And it talks and he really solidly connects the Nazis and their obsession with blood. And their obsession with Mm. uh, Aryans and what Aryan actually means and how Aryan actually ties back, you know, further um, and the Vril and all of this and and this all this obsession with bloodlines goes back to this rulership and this idea that it's divine, like you were saying, and the idea that this is actually a bloodline stemming from the fallen angels that mated with humans. Whatever you want to think fallen angels are, call them whatever you want. Yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So when we're talking about all this stuff, like my mind just keeps going back to that again and again is like, this is all stemming from this. Um, And then then they are also associated with Atlantis and with this uh, Nephilim or which I would think the Vril and Nephilim would be very similar as well. And it's just very, very fascinating. Yeah. But I mean, at the base core of all of it, it seems to me that like, whether it's Satanism in one of its many forms or it's the dark arts or what Crowley was preaching, what have you, it seems to me that to go down this path and to get this kind of wealth and this kind of power, if you choose to do it, it's like a separation from man and God or man and source. Like basically you no longer have, you're no longer, excuse me, you're no longer under the guise of a Supreme being. You become the Supreme being yourself by any means necessary. Like it's a common theme we see in all of this. It's so crazy. Yes, it absolutely is. And it's just like that you can divide it into sort of two camps and you can look at it through the Christian lens if you want. You don't have to. You could say good and evil if you want. You don't have to. You could say people who are still connected to source and soul and living for the sake of of everyone and people who have disconnected themselves from source and soul and are living for the sake of themselves and domination. It's like there's not really a lot of in between, you know. Wait a minute. Are are you trying to tell me that Richard Nixon was only looking out for himself and not his countrymen? How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I wonder, too. I'm like, is Trump act? Does he actually care about people? Because it'd be very it'd be like a first for me to have a politician that cares about people. But again, it's yeah, it's not super likely, but it's possible. 
It is tough. It's we'll have tough to look one. back in, in retrospect and, and see, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it always comes out in the wash afterwards. And uh, here's one, though, I want to move to that has a lot of speculation, a lot of mystery surrounding it, but we may never know the answer, but it's worth discussing. And it pains me because my background is mostly English. And with that being said, I absolutely despise the royal family and everything they stand for. And you want to talk about a power structure that is entrenched into people's psyches and how many people like here in North America are all up in their shit and what they want to do. And, you know, I'm saying people like the true believers and you and I are just, we have our hands raised. Like, yeah, like we're, we're like, who cares? It's a stone owl. Like that's our reaction to all the goings on and all the media penetration they have. But, um, there's so much mystery surrounding the death of princess Diana And there's a lot of different theories, but just a couple of the ones I want to touch on here are that it's no secret the royal family has been fascinated with the supernatural and psychic mediums who I think Diana may or may not have wanted to work with and some of their ties with pedophilia and crime over the years. And it always, the more I dig into that subject, the more I think, you know, Diana was either going to blow the whistle or run away altogether and she may have been taken out. And... One of the other theories about her mysterious death in 1997 was that she may have started to get curious to the point of exploring witchcraft and commanding dark forces and those dark forces backfired against her. And who knows? Because one thing we do know is that there's no way in the middle of Paris that limo just lost control and accidentally crashed. There's so many different angles pointing to either a strange happening or even murder for all we know. Yeah, there. I mean, she even said right before she died in multiple different ways. And like, there's a letter and there's like a recording and there's like an interview and there's all these different things where she's hinting at or outright saying that she feels like she's going to be murdered by that family oh. and that she worries for her life. And so that points to it, obviously, being murder. Um But yeah, it's hard to look at someone like that and imagine, again, just like Trump, that they're somehow innocent or that they're somehow made it there without being in the right family line or being in the right persuasion. And so it's but she was definitely viewed that way by people that she was this pure, you know, Mm -hmm. untouched sort of beautiful soul. And and so it's also possible it's, it's like you said, that she was a part of all that. And this is maybe all even a hoax. You know, and that and there's Mm. that angle. And then there's this angle that she was um, possibly in on her own dark forces and and playing games with that. But I like there's also the idea that she was sacrificed as that pure, that she really was pure and true and that she really was this like outsider that they brought in. But it was for that reason to sacrifice her as the sort of like, you know, snowy white virgin, so to speak, Uh, uh, you know, and sort of fulfill that type of a archetype. I I always wonder, though, too in these situations that people get brought in reluctantly and then the rituals and the spells and all that, they just don't work on some people and some people they have a conscience no matter what. And then they just, they can't deal with it anymore. So I I wonder if some of that happens too. It's a good question. And then there was the idea too, that she was pregnant with, um, Dodie, Dodie, the Arabian prince, or I don't remember who he was, was exactly, (laughs) but, um, that she was cheating on, you know, uh, the hubby and, got pregnant with that guy and they just could not handle it. Like this was not allowed and she wouldn't get an abortion Mm. and whatever. And so they had her killed and there's that possibility as well. Um, I actually went to the site of her probable murder 
uh, right oh, really? after it happened. What I didn't know, I was just a teenager and this, I, luckily this family that I knew brought me to Europe with them and I was very lucky and it was really cool, but it was right after she died and we had just happened to go to that location and I saw the, there's like a golden flame that's put there in her memory and all these flowers were there and I was like, Diana, who? Like, what is this? <laughs> like, I didn't care at all. But now I look back, I'm like, wow, wow. I was there like right after it happened on accident. Um, wow, that's yeah. that's crazy. It's special, and but another, I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Another connection I want to bring into this before I move on to my next uh, piece here that also has to do with the British. Um, so I'm a, I'm a fan of most of David Icke's work. Yeah. Um, I don't believe him word for word, you know, because right. some of it gets... Some of it gets really yeah. out there. However, a lot of his other stuff really makes a lot of sense and is well thought out. So it makes me wonder if the fringe stuff is, you know, true as well. But anyway, Could that's be. another discussion. Right. He's presented the theory that um, allegedly where the limo crashed um, under the streets in Paris in the catacombs are places where satanic sacrifice and worship used to take place like way back in the middle ages and if that was some type of a ritualistic murder which yeah. is another one that is worth exploring mm -hmm. there's all sorts of like numbers and like the location like you said and like different aspects of it that definitely point to a ritual and then you could so if there so if that's true what you're saying that there's this place underneath that has been used for rituals then her death at that location could charge that that space and, you know, all of the energy yeah. that is being poured in from all over the globe of people who are crying and lamenting and anguished over her death sure. is pouring into that, whatever they're trying to pull off. And one thing that is known, which adds some credence to that theory, is that European cities that have been around for generations like London and Paris have sub-levels of underground tunnels and catacombs that, like, I'm sure very few even know the extent of how far they actually go. For so, sure. Yeah. But what it's like, creepy. Yeah. Mm -hmm, for sure. Well, speaking of creepy, this one is going to creep you right out because I don't know if you've heard it or not, but uh, I'm holding a copy of Ike's Everything You Know But I've Never Been Told book I bought a couple of years ago. And I want to read a passage about an encounter he allegedly had with former British Prime Minister Edward Heath. Heath um, was the PM of England or the United Kingdom from 1970 to 1974. And a lot of, um, how shall I put this abuse and pedophilia allegations came out against him in the mid 2010s, long after his death. And, um, Ike tells a really interesting encounter he had with him because David Ike, before he went on to his research and his true purpose, was a, an on-air personality at the BBC, which, mm. you know, seems so far removed from who he is yeah, today. It's, so it's weird. weird. <laughs> but he shares a story about when um, he worked there, and I'm just going to uh, get into it right now. It's like a paragraph long, so stay with me. It's a little lengthy, but it, you're going to be like, oh, my God, this is insane. <laughs> mm -hmm. So here we go. Quote from David Icke. What I have been told about Heath did not surprise me after my own experience with him in 1989 at the London Sky News Studio, where I was being interviewed as a national spokesman for the Green Party on an EU election results program. When I arrived, I was taken to a makeup room and told that someone would be along in a moment to see me. I thought I had been left alone 
But then as I sat down facing the wall of mirrors, something caught my eye, and there hidden behind an open door was Edward Heath, (laughs) who had just been interviewed and was waiting for his makeup to be removed. I said, hello, but Heath did not even acknowledge me. He gave me a long, inquisitive look that seemed to say, hmm, what's this? Heath continued to stare intently without speaking, and his eyes moved to the top of my head and slowly scanned down to my feet and back again. It was the weirdest experience and about to get weirder. At one point, as his eyes were, quote-unquote, scanning, they turned jet black. I mean all of them, including the whites. I was looking at two black holes, and at no point was there a point to make eye contact in the sense that the blackness seemed to have no end and continued through him into wherever. His eyes, quote-unquote, returned to normal, and he turned away to look at the mirror in front of him. Not a word was spoken the entire time. End quote. (laughs) That's so terrifying. (laughs) I know, like I just got chills reading that. And it's up for speculation whether that actually happened or not. But then again, knowing what we know about Heath, if you dare to do the research and, you know, a lot of things that Ike has proven right over the years, it just makes you stop and wonder, okay, if this story is true, what are we really up against in this world? It's yes. scary. <laughs> yeah. No, it's absolutely a great question. And it leads directly back to the everything that we've been talking about with bloodlines and all of this and their obsession and their magical rituals and all of this stuff. It all ties together. And it's like each person in their, I don't know what you want to call it, groups, whatever their secret societies, you know, each person is is probably got some aspect of person left, right? Like they can come out and have normal looking eyes and have a conversation with somebody. Uh, But like we already talked about, they've separated themselves somehow. They've dug out parts of themselves and abandoned them. And I always like to say, whenever you create like a vacuum like that within yourself, there's something that can come in and take that place. And they've not only allowed the vacuum to be created by cutting themselves off and digging these pieces out, but they've also invited in these entities, you know, which we see when they're worshiping like Moloch, for example, or other related entities, they're actually, you know, inviting a connection to to take place. And so it's not a stretch for me at all, especially given my own experiences, to think that these people are deeply um, possessed by, if not just like literally inhabited by uh, these entities. And I don't think there's a limit to that. You know, I think one one strong enough dark entity could be inhabiting multiple people at once all around the planet. At the same time, and, you know, time and space to, to these things, I don't think exists in the way that we think it does. And so, you know, because that's another thing I think people would think like, oh, well, why that guy? That guy's special enough to be possessed by, you know, Bala Moloch or whatever. And it's like, well, it's not like it has to choose just one person. And it's not like it has to choose just one moment. And that that Mr. Heath uh, could definitely have been possessed by something like this. And just in that moment, checking Ike out, especially knowing who Ike is, those entities probably really want to get a handle on him. <laughs> well, this was also before he went into his current role, too. This is when he was just a, an injured footballer turned TV anchor. So this is before he really even started digging into this stuff. So maybe we talked about things happening for a reason. Maybe that was his moment where he says, okay, this is where we're going to show you that life is deeper than you think and can get pretty scary. Or since time doesn't really exist to these things, maybe they know where he's headed and they go back in time to be like, here's one access point we have to figure out if we can affect this guy or (laughs) check him out or whatever. 
That's so fascinating because early on in his career, he would appear on BBC programs, which would lead to endless mock and ridicule and would eventually, I believe, bust up his personal and family life. And Mm -hmm. maybe that was the whole uh, setting the table of that, so to speak. You never know. Absolutely. I definitely, I, my, in my experience, those things operate exactly in that way. Wow. And it's (laughs) what's so startling about that story too, is that this was the prime minister, the figurehead of one of the most powerful countries in the world. It wasn't some bottom feeding, low level, you know, politician starting out. It was the guy at the top. That that's another thing that's so chilling about it. eh? like, (laughs) yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah. So Lindsay, uh, we're almost out of time here. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been a very long, intense discussion. And I just want to say, like for those that are still with us, we love you and thank you for uh, (laughs) sitting (laughs) through some very difficult subject matter. But I just want to say that, like, I think you and I would both consider ourselves very spiritual and, you know, maybe even compassionate to say the least without blowing our own horn. But (laughs) I just want to say real quick that, I don't mind talking about these types of things once in a while because I think evil wins when you pretend it doesn't exist. And there is a corner of the spiritual world, maybe you've experienced it because I have in my own life, that just wants to wear the Pollyanna glasses and pretend that, oh, evil's just a state of mind. It doesn't really exist. Everything's good. Well, we wouldn't know the good without the bad and we wouldn't know how to fight the bad if we don't acknowledge it. So like, I yes. just want to know your general thoughts on this before we start to wrap up here. Cause that, that's where I stand on that issue. Yeah. I absolutely think there's a huge, like we were talking about, there's a lot of people who can't really deal with this, um, these ideas and, and acknowledging that these things exist. And so they go into denial mode. And I think that a lot of, like you said, the Pollyanna spiritualists are, are sort of part of that in that they can't really acknowledge that there might be something separate from and distinct from themselves and their own imaginings that is truly deeply and darkly evil or whatever you want to call evil. (laughs) You can call it whatever you want, but it's still that, right? And that, like you said, that not acknowledging that actually does make it stronger. And then a lot of their ideas are that if you think about it, talk about it, whatever, that you're actually giving it power. And I totally disagree. Just like, just like if you have a a pedophile neighbor and you know that they're, you know, harming children and you do nothing, Mm. well, more children are going to be harmed. But if you do something, less children are going to be harmed. And it's the exact same in the spiritual world. If you do nothing and you ignore it, it goes on. And if you look directly at it and you say, gotcha, I'm not going to stand for this and I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, end it, then it starts to diminish. Um, And, you know, that part of that weaving spiders come not here thing, I'm always like, well, then I guess I'm a spider and I guess I'm weaving because (laughs) we're coming and you're not going to hide forever. And, you know, I really think of it like all of this darkness can get so heavy and you're listening to this episode or you're looking into these things and you're feeling like overwhelmed by it. But, you know, Mm -hmm. there's people like you and I and there's a million people or more like us who really have found a way to still have that light really present in our life despite this darkness. And if there's people out there who need to tap into that or, you know, have a connection or a community, I think both you and I are obviously doing this for a reason. And and it's because we want to help people stay connected in, in, especially in dark times. And so that's another aspect of our weaving, right, is that we're connecting people together so we can not Mm -hmm. feel alone in this because it can get really overwhelming and dark. So uh, so definitely if anyone out there is listening and they want to connect then you know, hop over to Rogueways or rogueways.org. And I do, uh, 
tarot readings, like I said, and also like guidance sessions. If we can just talk about whatever needs to be addressed in your life and have some spiritual guidance or whatnot, yeah. um, you know, and, and if you just want to like drop a note and say hi, like that's cool too. So don't feel alone or disconnected and don't think that these people are winning because they're not. They just seem like it because they're really good at optics. <laughs> and I'll second this by saying that Lindsay is one of the most punctual people I've ever dealt with uh, during the entire run of this podcast. So <laughs> she won't leave you hanging you. for very long. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> um, a couple of other quick things I have to get to, and then we are done for sure. Um, yeah. What you just said, I also can interpret that as a form of shadow work because when you go on spiritual journeys and you evolve, you have to get in touch with the dark side of yourself. So if you're going to ignore the dark side of the external world, you're kind of ignoring parts of yourself as well. I think that's very important to say. (laughs) Absolutely. So with that being said, Lindsay, can I say one more thing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so there's this thing that I always like to point out too, where like the, the the another thing about the darkness is that it seems like it has figured everything out, right? And we look back thousands of years and we see all of these machinations and we're like, whoa, if they have yeah. all this figured out and they have the present world on lockdown like this, like how could we possibly win? But I also always notice that every single thing they do now, all throughout history at some level backfires on them and gives us something that it helps us overcome whatever blockades they put in our path. So their hubris really is their downfall and that they assume that they've won and they assume that they've got it all figured out and clamped down is actually completely false. And just like in Harry Potter, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you the end of the whole entire series. So if you haven't no. figured it out yet, here it comes. Um you know, they always, they spend the whole novels, all seven novels, thinking that Harry Potter is the chosen one and he's going to defeat Voldemort. And by the yeah. end of it, at the very last moment, it's actually this other kid that no one ever paid attention to. And just like their yeah. obsession with this prophecy and this bloodline, and they think they have that figured out. And I just like, I know, because we've seen it over and over again, that that turns and comes back and bites them in the ass and that they have no idea what's going on, actually. So just for just to add a little bit of hope to anybody oh. who's really deep down in this hole. <laughs> I love love it i love it with that being said whatever there are a couple of things i do have to end on because i feel they are very important um the first one is Lindsay. what is your own definition of total totalitarian or totalitarianism because i'm going to read like a more official one but i want to hear your take first um, I guess it's the idea that there's going to be one person or at least a very small group of, of people who are deeply connected to each other that have sort of complete control of a political and social system. Right. That's that's a very, very good way of saying it. But I do want to say this. I'm currently reading uh, some Jordan Peterson work. And this passage, it made me realize that totalitarianism is very similar to, say, Satanism, fascism, authoritarianism, whatever you want to call it. Right. And this is the definition he gives in his book, 12 Rules for Life. Quote, this is what totalitarian means. Everything that needs to be discovered has been discovered. Everything will unfold precisely as planned. All problems will vanish forever once the perfect system is accepted. End quote. So basically, it's like... His definition that he writes, it's like the death of discovery and the death of trying to find knowledge and empowerment. What's going on in our world right now? Oh, I don't know, like a hundred things that fall under that category. Yeah. And that's amazing. (laughs) And in my opinion, it all ties back into a small group of people through bloodlines, 
magic, rituals, Satanism, whatever you want to call it, are all trying to elevate themselves into their own supreme beings and disconnecting from source. So, Lindsay, final question, and we are over. I know you don't have a horse in the race of the facade carnival that is the United States presidential election coming up closely in 2020. I don't want to ask you who you want to win because I'm pretty sure you probably don't want either one. Like, yeah. <laughs> just about anyone listening to this show. What do you think is going to happen? And are we going to see any immediate chaos election night or right after like many are predicting? <laughs> so I, I see that if this is what, uh, and actually my boyfriend is the one who gave me this idea. So I'm like grateful to him because I think he's absolutely <laughs> right. And okay. it also fits with something that I've been thinking of for a while. So I'll lay this out for you. So one, if uh, if Biden wins, they're planning on ushering in just pure socialism. You know, we, we're going to be like China. We're going to have the um, social, social credit credits. system and yeah. yeah, chips and vaccines yeah. and all that, you know, and it's all socialized. We're going to get a universal basic income and all the immigrants in the world can come right in and, and everybody gets money and everybody gets health care and it'll just be the absolute end of the um, American, um, what do we call this experiment? Yeah. Um, right. So then if Trump wins, you can say like, well, none of that's going to happen. So that'd be great. Right. Like let's get Trump in. But if Trump wins, people have been conditioned and they're so deeply programmed right now for four years, they've been pumped full of fear oh, yeah. and hatred. And so if yeah. Trump wins, they're going to flip that switch 5g, who knows how they like turn it on, whatever <laughs> people are going to go insane and they're going to riot and just like destroy. And then under that guys, we can bring in the UN and international forces to tamp down because America clearly needs our help, you know, <laughs> and then, the, mm. and then we'll have socialism come in on that way. So I don't have hope for either of them. And what I've learned or what I think I've learned and what I think yeah. goes back to this idea that these entities can sort of time travel, if you want to call it that, oh, um, oh. to some extent, is that they they're going to wait, I think, up until like right before the election to choose which one they're going to use to usher that vision of the future in, because both will lead to the same vision. But one or oh. the other has a better outcome for them. I think the closer we get to this moment of prophecy, whenever that's going to be, the harder it is for them to. um determine exactly what happens. Do you know what I mean? So they're going to choose closer and closer instead of farther and farther back like they used to. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's time for both you and I to eat, but yes. I, I got one more after all that. Okay. What good is going to come out of this? You painted such a bleak picture <laughs> of this whole thing. What good is going to come out of what's happening in November? Please give me something. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm you Canadian asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I mean, I could be wrong about all of that, right? First of all, and there could be a totally different thing coming and everything could be fine because there's been many times in the past where I'm like, all right, here they are. They've got all their coffins and bullets. They're going to kill us all and put us in camps. And that never <laughs> happened, right? So or, I mean, it still could, but <laughs> um, so none of that could happen. But even if that happens, the way I look at it is uh, humans for a very long time have been convinced that they have no spiritual connection that is real or meaningful, right? That you have to get it through a priest or that it doesn't exist at all. And this is just a material mechanical world that's just, you know, chemicals in our brains and right. Yep. But the more we go into these types of things, you can no longer watch the lights, you know, changing colors and making shapes and pretend that it was a Coast Guard. The more that we go deeper into this, the more you really have to admit to yourself 
something is going on (laughs) and you are not just a bag of flesh. And so if you're not just a bag of flesh, what's your responsibility and what's your role and what's your power and what can you do? And so it's, it's the worst way to force someone into stepping into their power and their spiritual truth. Uh, But I do think that that is the result. And I think that's exactly part of their hubris is that they don't expect us to be able to grasp that. They think that they've kind of killed it out of us so deeply that we could never get back to our place as spiritual beings. A lot of us, but not all of us. Lindsay, thank you so much for the time. She hosts the Rogue Ways podcast. She said earlier where you could find her. And yeah, if you feel a need to connect with her, connect. She'll uh, she'll look after you. She's awesome Absolutely. that way. And just remember one thing. It's just a giant stone owl. Just ignore just, it. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Who cares? We don't need it. <laughs> Lindsay, you're the best. Thanks again. Awesome. Thanks, Phil. Wow. So we made it. Thank you so much, True Believers, for sticking with me through that one. Lindsay Sharman, I want to thank her for taking the extended time to dive deep on some very heavy and sometimes difficult subject matter. Uh, She was great as always. I hope you, True Believers, enjoyed it, and I hope you learned something that you may not have learned before. And also, I promised, as we get to close to the end of the program, that I have a couple of announcements to pass along to you. Um, I wanted to have some things connected to the podcast ready for this upcoming Halloween season. They didn't quite make it. However, coming into November and getting closer into the holiday shopping season, Unexplained Incorporated will have its line of merchandise for you, the true believers, to purchase online. More t- details on that coming soon. Also, a private true believers Facebook group will be opening up in the very near future that will also have you signed up for a new mailing list, as well, looking into producing some bonus content and creating a three tier Patreon page for the true believers. All of that coming up before the end of 2020 for sure. And also a new logo for Unexplained Incorporated is in the works. It's going to look better and bigger than the other one. The other one's pretty good, but I think this one that's coming up is just going to be that much better. It's coming very shortly. It may drop Halloween night as well. And also speaking of Halloween nights, a bonus episode of Unexplained Incorporated will be coming out to celebrate Hallow's Eve in the full moon and the clocks going back ahead an hour. What isn't going on that night? And also, just a reminder, October 29th through 31st, if you're in the Kitchener-Waterloo area and you're still looking for plans, visit the website for the Homer Watson Gallery and their Psychic Soiree event. Myself and Angel Card Amy will be there on the evening of October 30th. And uh, we're going to get some bonus material for that bonus episode on Halloween while we were there. Uh, I'm going to put the link in the show notes and some tickets are still available. However, the late uh, 8 o'clock 
uh, Paranormal Investigation with RRLC, good friends of the show, is all sold out. But I think they might have a couple of tickets left for their 6 p.m. one on Friday night, the 30th. So I hope to see you out there. And also next Friday, of course, the 30th is the next edition of the Psychic Mailbag with Amanda Drago. You could reach her, amandadrago444 at hotmail.com. You could DM her directly. Or you can get a hold of me, phantomphilunexplained at gmail.com. So these are questions of uh, not so much personal ones for yourself, but if you want to know anything about the psychic world, the spiritual realm, any cool experiences you've wanted to share in terms of psychic phenomenon or anything spiritual about the journey you've been on, we'll read it. You can stay anonymous if you want to, or you can give us your first name and where you're writing in from. And I have a question for her, which came about from a conversation I had with Angel Card Amy earlier in the week. And uh, I'm very curious to see her answer. However, that is not all for the 30th. Um, Amanda is going to be adding a little bit of extra content on top of the mailbag as a special edition. I'm going to keep that one a surprise for you and uh, tune in on the 30th and you'll find out what it is. Well, true believers, this was an exhausting one. And once again, I try to keep the podcast uh, a little bit shorter than this, but sometimes when you get in, you just got to go in head first all the way down to the bottom of the deep end because you'll always float up to the surface again, no matter how deep and how dark it may get. You can always get back to the surface and regain your oxygen. And I recommend you do that right now. As for this week, the doors of Unexplained Incorporated are about to you-know-what. But first, just a reminder, got to do it. Stay strong, stay healthy, and most important of all, stay curious. And the doors of Unexplained Incorporated are finally closed.